the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I am Scott Armstrong and it is good to be back with you. Two weeks ago, we talked about stats and we're not going to talk about any stats today. We're going to be talking about an article that we read. But before I dive into that, there are some wonderful worthless servants and wonderfully worthless servants that are around me. And so to my right is AJ Fry. Hey guys. To his right is Natalie Franco. Hello guys. To my left, Emily Armstrong. Hey everyone. And across from me, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, it takes a drop of water 90 days to travel the entire Mississippi River. 90 days. Yes. (laughs) For those who don't know what the Mississippi River is, what is it? Yes. So the Mississippi River is a river that kind of divides the United States. It's the largest river in the United States. It is the largest. It's the third largest in the world. Oh, really? Amazon, (laughs) Nile, and Mississippi. Yeah. Okay. Wow. If you would like to know, it's 2,340 miles long. I have no idea in kilometers. Sorry. That's true. A lot more in kilometers. About 5,000. Yeah. So, so how would they, how do they measure? They strap a camera to, to a drop of water. Drop of water. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the miniature GoPro <laughs> drop of water. I mean, that's what the picture shows. <laughs> I think that's a documentary on Netflix, isn't it? <laughs> the most, drop of a water droplet the on most the mighty boring. That could be either really boring or really interesting. Right? I'm sure it's interesting. I do have questions like to travel. I'm thinking, so wait, like the one that would actually start in the top of Minnesota? Like, yeah. It, and like then go all the, the way down to yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. Because it starts in a, what are those things called that bubble out of the ground? In a spring. spring. It starts in a spring and it goes down to the Gulf. So I would assume from the spring to Interesting. the Gulf. Interesting. 90 days. 90 days. Source to the okay. End. Hmm. okay. Three months. That's good. That's good. So if That's you were a really f- round number. Yeah. Like, yeah I like days. it. It feels like, like it. it should be like 87 and a half days. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Somebody's just guessing. No, I don't know about this Mississippi anymore. Mississippi is a very uh, <laughs> symmetrical word. So <laughs> Spell it for us, Chelsea, the way that an Arkansas person spells it. Well, we don't know if it's politically correct, but it's M-I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, humpback, humpback, I. <laughs> yes, yes, we've heard this. We've My grandmother's this. from Mississippi, so so there's my credentials. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's how they, she learned to spell it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, no easy segue from that, but uh, <laughs> recently the church's conversation regarding evangelism has seemingly shifted, and this gets us into our article, right? So in some nations, more and more Christians are uncomfortable with sharing their faith and have bought into the idea that by simply being nice and good, people around us will naturally come to know the Lord. I think some of us have maybe seen this, right? Perhaps there's a fear of being viewed as the Bible beater, right? Or that crazy guy yelling on a bustling street corner about the end times. We don't want to be him. Or maybe it's like the logical result of decades of a healthy emphasis being placed on embodying Christ through actions instead of mere words. Whatever the case, we risk the pendulum swinging too far to the other side. Stephen Matson recently wrote an article in Relevant Magazine dealing with the same issue. It's entitled, Christianity is More Than Just Being a Good Person. And we'll include that link in our show notes. So we've all read the article. Uh, what are your first thoughts as we kind of tackle this topic? I have a couple thoughts. My biggest takeaway from this is 
um, the whole thing about comfort. I think a lot of people will lean heavier towards the let your actions speak louder than words because, I mean, for me personally, it's a lot easier to do things than to than to say things. <laughs> I'm not much of a public speaker or especially this, what we call cold calling, you know, like knocking on somebody's door and just saying, Hey, do you know, Jesus, you know, I'm not, that's not me. I know some people are very gifted in that and that's fine. That's not me. So my tendency would be lean to more like, I want to do good things for you. And so then let, let Christ shine through that. But I think that may be where a lot of people are leaning is like, it's just more comfortable to do things than it is to, to talk about Jesus and then, and risk ridicule or being made fun of, or people, you know, turning away from us or not liking us because of the things we said. And that just hits me kind of hard because I see a lot of, I see a lot of church culture that leans towards comfort and Jesus was, I don't know if he was against comfort, but he was, he was obviously not for making things more comfortable. He said, take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> that was no way comfortable, you right, know? Right. <laughs> and so, I don't know. That's just one thing that stands out to me is, is like this church culture where we are at today tends to lean more towards comfort. Let's make the, the seats in the service more plush and more comfortable. Let's make the music so that it's more uh, to our liking, you know, and, and let's not say too many harsh things because that makes people uncomfortable. I, I do think, again, there needs to be a balance, obviously. I'm not saying let's go around and offend people <laughs> and make things as uncomfortable as possible. But I think maybe in what he's trying to say here, part of it is that sometimes we get too comfortable. And so just use that as a, as an excuse. Well, this is the irony, right? One thing he says is discomfort is sometimes the first sign of something being meaningful. Yeah. Like, yeah. like there needs to be some time where we're not feeling completely comfortable. And that may be the exact point where it's like, oh, maybe there's something good that's about to happen. Right. Yeah. And I kind of feel like sometimes when we're in this conversation, we turn it into an either or, mm -hmm. and I would love to see us embrace more of a both and. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like people are like, you either do it by practicing good works and showing that Jesus, or you go knock on the door and tell somebody that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. Yeah. However, I think we would say a healthy view of what we should be doing as the church and evangelizing is the both and. Right. Because there's a lot of times that you can't just go up and knock on somebody's door and be like, can I tell you about Jesus? Like maybe there was a day that that worked. Maybe we've come through that. Maybe uh, in some cultures that even still works. But in my experiences of what I've seen out of, if I could say I've knocked on a hundred doors in the past two years, there might be one or two people that were like ready to receive Jesus when I knocked on their door. So mm -hmm. what about the other 98? You know, did they feel uh, like I invaded their space? Did they feel like I don't really have time for this? Did they feel put off and like maybe not wanting to see Christ in a different way because somebody was bothered? bothering them at the moment in time when they didn't want to be bothered. Like, I don't know, because you've mm -hmm. never had that type of follow up with somebody afterwards, you know, but I just, I kind of think, what are the, what are, what's the happy medium? We can't divorce mm -hmm. the two from each other. Right. You have to have good works and actions and service as well as the verbal part of it. And I think part of when we're doing the good service and actions, 
probably what I feel in the church that we shy away from, and I would even say this is Western culture uh, more than like other cultures, is we shy away from the opportunities that the Holy Spirit does present that we can say mm. something about why we're serving, why we're doing the good work, why we're why we're engaged in our community, and they're just like, oh, why are you here? And we lean into the, oh, my church is doing some wor- some work here, as opposed to the, well. I'm a Christian and I really believe that God's called me to serve my neighbor. Like that's a very different response than, well, my church had a community work day. And that's typically what I feel like a lot of people would say. Yeah. You're assuming a lot about a person when you just say, my church is here doing this. You assume they know what a church is. You assume they know what a church does and you know, you assume they know why a church does the things it does. And so like, to me, I'm, I know that I have said this in multiple episodes because I'm (laughs) such a, I believe in it so much. I think the key to this article that he doesn't actually touch on, but he kind of does through osmosis. Um, (laughs) Like if we're taking Jesus as an example of how to evangelize well, it's not just acts. It's not just words. It's both and absolutely, but it's very relational. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that I don't think he touches on. It's like the cold call is to a stranger only. Mm -hmm. But if we're doing acts of service to someone that we have a relationship with, that we can have a dialogue with that isn't intimidating, that isn't uncomfortable. Like my, my, my friend, my coworker that I see on a daily basis, then it's a different conversation Mm -hmm. altogether Mm -hmm. me bringing jesus into it is natural because they now know my personality they now know my motive whereas if i'm like for example a homeless shelter passing out lunches like i'm not i i don't have this personal relationship with this person and it could come off more judgmental Mm -hmm. but if i regularly am coming to that homeless shelter and every day i am passing out lunches eventually I'm having personal relationship with these people. I think what you say is very on point. If you look at Jesus's life, we like to use this word incarnational, which means that Jesus came and lived among us, right? If we take the same attitude of living with people, I think it'll start as looking like friendship or or relationship and, and acts of service. But then like what Emily was saying, it opens up the doors. It presents an opportunity to say, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, lead them in that direction. Well, because, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe that Christ loves us all. And, you know, you can go into it from there. So, Natalie, what do you think about in the Dominican culture? I know that even in the past three or four years, we've done community initiatives. And one of the committees is always go knock on doors and present the gospel. I would love mm-hmm. to know what your view on it is or your perspective or what you've been thinking well i think we are in a cultural that is open to get to know more the people Mm -hmm. we are known as open-handed people so i think we are kind of we like to get to know more the people so that that's why i think it's something that can Mm -hmm. really work if a missionary it's in here and wants to talk with talking about the gospel they have a way to do it we are open to that and also, I want to take that opportunity to talk about what this article reminds me. I was reminding a book that I was reading. Um, it, it's called, You Think You Are Christian, But You're Not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> <laughs> and the author, it starts with Matthew twenty two fourteen. 
<laughs> he says, many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. So you think it's really, yeah. really hard mm-hmm. to, to read that. But the author speaks that the fact that there are many who believe they are Christians because uh, they are religious people, they pray constantly, even they, they, they even fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get baptized, they are active, and like they give a lot in the church, which is good. It is something that we need to do. But he's also saying that also Hindus pray. Also, the followers of Confucius in China, they had to live a good life and a pure life. So, like, mm-hmm. to only do these things by its own, it is not enough yeah. to mm-hmm. be called, to, to be known as a Christian. And he was saying even there are people that practice philanthropy. Philanthropy. Philanthropy like practice philanthropy and it doesn't mean they are Christian. Yeah. He was saying the foundation of Christian life is God in Christ. Mm. As Paul declares, Christ presented as the only hope of the world. And he continues saying that the alpha and omega of Christianity is the passion for the souls. As Jesus says to his disciples that as the father sent me, I'm sending you. So he commissioned us to continue his work and to be his um, witnesses in all nations. This is so good. Uh, Like uh, it reminds me, uh, many listeners will know that we are in charge of a ministry called Genesis, uh, entering the cities, sending missionaries, especially to make an impact. And there comes a point when you talk to, we we really train our missionaries to at first go in and serve alongside uh, other entities in the community, you know, figure out ways to make relationships. At the same time, we train them to say, we must, we must be then transitioning at many moments and, and present the gospel or share of the hope that we have, or, or, you know, start to not just say, ah, now we're serving. And for two years, that was really great. Like people, we gained friendships and then we left. And, you know, I mean, the object is to start a church is to, is to see people's lives transformed. And that won't just happen by being nice. You know, mm-hmm. and, right. and, and so maybe I, I guess the question and probably more useful for, for our listeners would be like, if we're convinced that we should share the gospel with words and actions, yes, we say that both, but if we are convinced that it needs to happen at some stage with words, what are some practical ways we can do that beyond just kind of focusing on knocking on a door of a stranger? As you're talking, it reminds me, Scott, of, um, Forever ago, it feels like forever ago that we did a couple episodes on Manuel Molina and his Mm. process of like how he church plants and like the process of evangelism. And I think that's like a key, you know, we have this church mentality that evangelism literally means it's a one point contact where you have talked about Jesus and somebody accepted him as savior. That's what we would consider a successful evangelism Mm. thing. And I think if we can just change our mindset around what evangelism is, I think if we can think of our evangelism fitting into the new journey of grace, the, the discipleship process of the church of the Nazarene that came out last year, you can clearly see that before you begin like this growth in Christ, you need to respond to provenient grace and 
supervenient grace is God that's setting this path and giving you all of these signposts of like, I'm a God that's here. I'm a God that loves you. I'm a God that cares for you. However, a person that doesn't know how to see God and doesn't know how to recognize God, when the church comes into contact with that person, God uses the church to be like, you're the signpost. Say something about, I'm God. I care for you. I love you. I serve you. I provide for you. And that's what our job is. However, a big piece of evangelism is walking in the prevenient grace, right? It's a part of being uh, what God is doing in somebody's life before they make that decision even. And so I think when we leave evangelism at just the, I've presented the gospel and they said yes, then then we're cutting it short and, and we're short sailing it even that, mm. that we are evangelizing people through actions, through our words, even before they make that decision. Yeah, I, I really... I remember those episodes and I really like the idea. His idea of evangelism is also like leads into discipleship. Like they're two and one all in the same <laughs> basket. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I believe in that. And I think what's interesting is we have creative access countries that are church planting, that are growing the body of Christ. And I'm very intrigued always with how they handle evangelism and discipleship and church growth and all of the things, because I think it's probably more similar to what Jesus did. Um, it's not this program. It's not public, right? It's these conversations behind closed doors. It's getting to know your neighbor enough to know one I can share and not die hmm. right like <laughs> yeah I'm this person we, we trust each other enough right yeah they get to a point where they trust someone enough to say like hey you know how we've been like building a friendship like i want you to know why mm. i'm doing that and one there is a risk that this person could turn them into the authorities and mm -hmm. they would lose their life or go to jail or whatever but there's also this like step of faith in that moment of like you mean so much to me that I've experienced the freedom of Christ. I've experienced the the grace and the goodness of, of the Holy Spirit, right? That I am willing to risk my life to extend that to you. Mm. That in itself is a piece of the testimony, right? Mm. I, this person receiving that word is saying like, I see the risk you're taking by telling me this. It must mean something to you. Mm. But they don't just do that to a stranger on the street corner. Mm -hmm. That's that's not how it's going to work. Mm -hmm. They are intentionally investing in people's lives with the with the desire to break chains. I think one piece that you were saying, Scott, like our motivation matters. Are we doing evangelism because it's a checklist? <laughs> because then that changes things. It changes our sincerity. It changes our as the Christian our our ability to be authentic. But if our desire is to literally see our neighbors, our friends, our family members freed from the weight of sin, yeah. right? Like that changes everything. My, my motive is actually not eternal life. That sounds weird. And mm -hmm. it's a part of the package. But my real desire is to see you free from the weight of the mm. world today. Amen. I think... I think that changes how we evangelize. I think that changes yeah. how we disciple. Oh yeah. And even thinking about eternal life, like I think as we're in eternity, man, I just wonder how many people will end up, sorry to say it this way, but will end up in hell and they will say, Scott, you were nice to me for so many years. You just were really nice and we were friends and you never opened your mouth. 
to tell me. Mm. I mean, there was something more to this, that mm. this is a, a heaven and hell issue that, that my life could be completely changed and even my eternity, you know? And, and, and I think sometimes we are going back AJ to what you were saying about comfort, you know, we're so comfortable and just, well, I hope God will just do the rest, but mm -hmm. I've been nice. You know, there has yeah. to come a point where with intentionality, we say, um, Hey, I want to share something with you. This is the reason, as Peter says, this is the reason for my hope. Mm -hmm. And talking about intentionality, Jacob Buck, he presents four pillars that you can help. It can helps you when you're doing a evangelistic event, or even if you're trying to, to say a testimony, to take it to the next level, to be more intentional. And he says, you need it to think about eternity is the first pillar um, that there is hope after death. You need to present that when you're doing evangelism. The second one, the law, the commandments that shows our sin and our guilt, and it makes us to return to Christ. The third one is the good news. It is, it is always we need to talk about the good news of Jesus, that he is taking our slavery, our, our sin, our death, and he did everything because of love. And the fourth, repentance and faith. Turn to God. Mm -hmm. So you're saying when that time comes, like literally people, listeners are, are, are wondering, okay, I'm feeling like I need to present to somebody like this is the reason for my hope, but how do I do it? So you're saying this would be the way that he suggests. He suggests to think about these four pillars. Those four pillars. And I like obviously the emphasis on the good news. There are some people that evangelize with that second one and focus <laughs> on the law and the commandments, right? And like you've messed up, you know? But I, I think it's interesting that he starts by saying eternity, like God has created us for something more, mm -hmm. right? And then moves into, uh, but we messed it up and then here's the good news now what's your response you know i think it's important as a wesleyan holiness denomination that we acknowledge that it doesn't stop with a prayer yeah because that is something i see way mm -hmm. too often and it mm -hmm. blows my mind and breaks my heart because we have way too many people sitting in our pews that think well, I said a prayer when I was 12 and I'm good to go. And we don't believe that. We don't believe that's enough. There is a repentance piece to salvation, but the fruit of the spirit matters. And so that discipleship follow-up, even when we're thinking about these pillars, like you as the listener, I don't want you to, to feel like, well, I did my part. I said, I said why I do this. We've got to be intentional with the follow-up also. You can't just leave it at this conversation. And so, like, I want to stress that because we have way too many people that are not pursuing Christ. And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, and if we don't disciple them afterwards or accompany them, uh, it's all like, wait, were you just my friend so that you could, right. you know, have me make this decision? And now it's like, now what do we do? I mean, that's, that's disingenuous. That that's, that's, that's not true friendship. That's using somebody right. uh, mm -hmm. to get a stat, mm -hmm. you know, to get a statistic, a conversion mm -hmm. or a salvation project. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, a project. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 So like I'm being this person's friend, they don't know it, but it's only for this reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think as I read through this article, um, and to bring 
a piece of scripture that the Lord brought to my mind is, and even listening to the conversation that's developed in these past few minutes, uh, it makes me think about how as Christians, Chelsea, once we've said the prayer and we've recognized that we are these Christ followers, that Jesus in his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, opens it up with the Beatitudes, right? And for the average Christian, those are things that are hard to understand. God is, Jesus is bringing out all of these people that are like downtrodden, that are oppressed, and he uses the word blessed are, which when you go back into the Greek of it, it literally is the word for happy. It's like yeah. happy are the people that are mourning, you know, and it's mm. like, hey, this is, you know, and they use all that. That are poor. That are poor. Yeah. You know, this is the this is the context of the people that I'm calling you to be, right? And it's like, well, I don't know. And so AJ goes back to the, you know, take it full circle of the comfort of the church. I think if we're comfortable, then we need to see that we are not living into what Jesus says is the characteristic of the people of God. And he ends with what I think fits really well with this this conversation it says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you And I think when we as the church, as people that are saying, I'm a Christ follower, if there is not a moment of discomfort, if you're not being persecuted, and maybe it's even in your own church environment or in your own home where where I know that sometimes I, I hear people say, well, I don't mean to over-spiritualize. And I almost <laughs> have gotten to the point of like, you can't over-spiritualize. Like <laughs> when God is everything to you, when you see Jesus is the lens that you see this world through, you can't cannot over-spiritualize. That is just literally what God has put in your mouth and in your heart to speak out of your heart, right? And so if you're apologizing and saying, well, I don't mean to, like, stop apologizing. Yeah. God, God, and if somebody says, well, you talk about Jesus too much, consider it. Hey, this is the way I'm supposed to be living. If somebody mm-hmm. doesn't say you talk about Jesus so much, maybe we need to start talking about him just a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I think all of us would be able to say in, in a society that is, has really said, and and there are good reasons for it, has said, man, stop just blabbing. We we need to see your actions. And, And we would agree with that. Right. But I think in a society that has gone way far that way, we would also say, yeah, but actions aren't enough. Right. Uh, Christianity, in, in the words of the, the article, Christianity is more than just being a good person. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Emily, I know that obviously there are people that will want to weigh in and maybe have their thoughts. How can they get in contact with us and, and do that? You can find us on our Facebook page, which is the Worthless Servants Podcast. Uh, you can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org. And I just would like to encourage you to maybe use this episode as like, ask your Sunday school class to listen to it and then to talk about it or your NYI uh, midweek services. Listen to the episode and talk about it. Like use it as an opportunity to not just introduce people to the podcast, but it can be content that not just sharpens you when you listen to it in your own Years, but you, it literally can be used as a platform to help other people think differently and and 
allow us to be the voice, <laughs> allow the Holy Spirit to work through our voices, but you can be the conduit that, that brings it to your, to your church people. Yeah. And we have heard that that's happening, mm-hmm. uh, with missions groups or with youth groups or whatever. So cool. Keep, keep sharing when that happens. And when that's the case, I think we will sign off then we are the worthless servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm Chelsea Fry. And I'm Emily Armstrong. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.